One of the most viral and integral memes to come out of the 2016 presidential election was fake news, the propagation of this term, which has become, thankfully, again, nonpartisan. The phrase fake news is being used all over the place by all kinds of people. And it's a very powerful and important phrase because, as it implies, the mainstream media is full of fake news. And the funny thing about it is that Trump, I don't know, I don't know how much 4D chess he was really playing here when he came up with this fake news slogan, but he tricked the news media into amplifying that message against themselves. And it's incredible that he did it. And I'll I'll show you exactly how it went down. So, I've been watching a channel called We Are Change. It's an independent news organization. They literally went to Jeffrey Epstein's island. They These two guys, uh, it, really the one guy who is We Are Change and another guy from his own independent uh, media organization, they just dr- got drop-shipped, not drop-shipped, but they, you know, they were dropped off onto Epstein's island by just a guy with a boat who was willing to take them there, and they ran around for about half an hour, took a ton of crazy footage of this fucking weird place, and uh, bolted, you know, and, and talked to some of the local people who were in the neighboring islands and stuff like that, uh, so... Yeah, it was really amazing stuff, and We Are Change is generally a great channel. He mostly does daily, just kind of uh, uh, taking a whole bunch of headlines from both mainstream and uh, underground news and sort of uh, comparing them against each other to some extent. He He's commenting on how the mainstream media is reporting on things, the way that they are lying about things, and then what is, you know, what's, what information is actually coming to light and being propagated by independent sources who are not beholden to the same, uh, you know, corrupt figures. Who are who are propping them up. And I mean, when you see the extent of the lies propagated by the mainstream media, it really makes you feel like, man, is this really what most people are hearing? Because if so, then this is why we have all these problems is because people just don't know fuck. You know, people don't have any idea what's really going on because they're listening to the news on TV to get their news, you know, and it's it's bizarre because I've had this opinion of the mainstream media long before it was any kind of uh, partisan political stance to have. It is just simply that, you know, major media organizations are evil. You know, Obama, at least from the perspective of somebody watching the mainstream media, uh, was a non-controversial president for the most part. And so it didn't, like, matter so much to people whether or not the mainstream media was, you know, uh, spreading lies about the president or whatever. I think it, it, it became something that people cared about when Trump was running and he was saying that the mainstream media was full of fake news and, you know, people who support Trump were agreeing with that because it is true and people who are against Trump had to find a way to not agree. You know, they had to find an excuse to pretend like they don't know that the news is fake. And of course, the news has to try to find a way to paint him as incorrect while still being what they are, which is fake news. So in the background of one of We Are Change's videos, he had, because he's always talking about the mainstream media and how shit they are, but he had this uh, video playing where it was a, a whole bunch of clips of different reporters all lined up on screen saying the exact same thing. And uh, he, in one of his videos, he had played just, like, one moment where all of them sync up for, like, just a second, and they all say the exact same thing. So I wanted to find the full version of that video. So I searched on YouTube, um, like, news anchors all saying the same thing, which was a a result that was auto-completed. Enough people had searched this. People know about this clip. And I searched it, and the first result on YouTube was a video basically talking about how 
this was the result of the Sinclair Group, that there's this group called the Sinclair Group who owns a whole ton of, uh, you know, local radio stations and just like small media networks and stuff like that. They own it stuff all over the country and they give a script, you know, they give the same script to all these different Meet, uh, all these different places to create these viral ideas of, you know, what they want to promote. Um, and, of course, this was all being connected to the Trump campaign. They were saying that Trump's uh, son had given a bunch of money to these uh, – or somebody in his campaign, I think, had given a bunch of money to the Sinclair group to, you know, make them look good, essentially, to give them good media coverage. And they they all just spread these viral ideas and, um, you know – the the thing about this video, and obviously it's all true, you know, everything they're saying is is absolutely true, but as I was going down the YouTube page, I realized that this had been put up by, like, CBS or something. What Was it CBS? There was a whole bunch of news organizations. CNN had one. There was the entire page was just mainstream news outlets reporting on this story about the Sinclair group. So in other words, all of the media organizations who are being accused of being fake news are ganging up on the one that is that they can prove is fake news in order to say that, you know, Trump Trump claims that we are fake news, but he's the fake news. He's the one giving money to these companies to run a good campaign for him. And so you you go down the YouTube page and I my first thought was, man, I really expected this to just be something that some YouTuber had put together because obviously people would have been making these observations about mainstream media for a long time. But no, every single video on the page is specifically about the Sinclair group and is from a mainstream media organization. Now, once I realized that, I started to get a little bit suspicious because I know for a fact that these channels do this shit. I know they run the same the same schemes and operations. I know they're paid for by their side of the political faction. You know, I, I know these things. So I'm like, how can it be possible that the only results are people, are mainstream organizations pointing out that another mainstream organization that they all disagree with uh, is is doing this. It seems obvious that this should not be the results that I'm getting. Of course, I'm on YouTube. How could I forget? YouTube is mainstream media owned and operated. YouTube gets money from these same sources. Of course, they're going to promote only mainstream media sources. So I went to DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo is a, a, you know, a Google style search engine, but one that doesn't track any data and doesn't hide any results. It purely is exactly what people are actually searching for. What is actually the most relevant results for you? No bullshit. As far as I know. I mean, I'm sure they have some kind of algorithm for search results, but I, every time I've ever had a problem such as this, using DuckDuckGo has fixed the problem. Their image search sucks, though. Uh, so I searched the exact same phrase I had searched on YouTube on DuckDuckGo. And the the first result that had been on YouTube was the second result. But the first result was another YouTube video called... Media organizations all say the same thing. And this video had like 300,000 views. It's uh, older than the other ones. It's also completely nonpartisan. And what this video is, it just simply puts some text on screen explaining the situation that, you know, all these media organizations say the same thing. Then it plays just clip after clip after clip of news anchors saying the exact same fucking thing. And none of it is political stories. It's all just inane, weird, you know, openings of stories that are that are mostly dumb and trying to be funny that are being 
just said by, by dozens and dozens of anchors, and they actually blank out all of the iconography of the channels. They 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 have like a a filter, so you you can't quite. I mean, if you know the logos, you can figure it out. But like, um, you know, most of them have their logos covered up because the point of this video is really trying hard to not be like, oh, it's this news station, so oh, it's these guys. No, it's all of these fuckers. They're all doing this. Look at the sheer number of news anchors that are in this video. And, you know, so the, the video is mostly just talking about, the, you know, the, the way that the, these virulent ideas are being implanted because they want us to, to think these things. They want us to hear these mimetic kind of phrases that will stick these stories in our minds because this is what somebody wants us to be hearing, wants us to believe. And they, in between these uh, these clips, they will play the video, plays these old commercials for, like, Camel Cigarettes and uh, uh, the Dime March or whatever, where they, um, they, like, just are incredibly hitting you over the head with imagery and phrases that are meant to just stick with you as much as possible in a way that you could not get away with, you know, in selling these subjects today. Um, but... That's it's exactly the same thing. You know, it's it's advertising script. It's mimetic repetition. And I know that for the most part, I I don't even know how much this really has to do with um, with necessarily that there's people trying to spread specific messages as it is just that these news organizations are just all buying the same generic uh, news shit to go on that day because think about it this way uh, if something happens that is so general that it, it really could be reported on anywhere and there's not enough local news to report on that day then you're just gonna buy filler shit to insert into your news reporting that you know that that comes from some some other source instead of having to pay a journalist to come up with some shit there's somebody just creating filler content for each day and it's being sold to everyone this is very common practice in radio where a lot of the the little cutaway segments that happen during radio programs are things that they just buy and the same things get played on all kinds of different radio stations so i think to some extent this is not just about controlling information it's also about cheapness and uh you know and and just the the factory processing of news content because news is a tv show like beyond any of the the insipid goals of billionaires trying to insert ideologies into the minds of people. Most important to the news organizations themselves is that they sell their TV show, that you turn into their show. And that's why the biggest thing that that I think got Trump elected, people like to talk about how it's the internet and memes. I think memes had way less to do with Trump getting elected than the fact that he was nonstop broadcast at all times. There's never been higher awareness of a presidential candidate candidate. And I think people uh, overestimate the public awareness of any political figures. I mean, I literally couldn't tell you who any of the the Congress people are here in Virginia or the representatives. I get their mail constantly. I just throw it away because they all all seem like shit. So I don't want to fucking, I don't even want to know. But, uh, you know, I I think that Trump just was the, the most famous essentially president there ever was which is in itself a meme but you know uh just go watch M- lemon's video about trump i mean he he kind of talks about how it's memes but in a broader sense than just internet memes but in any case uh the fake news meme the funny thing about it is that yes it's true fake news is real and People like me have been saying that forever, since long before Trump, since long before it was partisan. CGP Grey uh, has one of my favorite things that he ever wrote. And granted, I think he found this controversial enough that he did not make a video about it. This was a text post on his blog because he knew that he cannot tell people just don't watch the news because people take the news seriously. People really want to be informed. And granted, the news will keep you up to date on uh, generally, I guess, what's going on to some degree with a heavy spin. But, you know, uh, there's better ways. So 
He made this article talking about just how insipid and ridiculous and a waste of time news stories were. His his example being this story about a trillion dollar bill that was being talked about on all these different news outlets, but it literally was nonsense. Like it had no basis in reality. It was just like a totally fabricated, literally fake news just made to fill time or to distract from other things going on. And so he was basically like, news rot your brain, don't do it. And uh, I had written for a public speaking class back in like, oh God, I guess it would have been in 2011, early 2011. Oh my God, I feel so fucking old thinking about how long that was before 2016. That's Obama's first term. I was in college during Obama's first term. Uh you're in no, that can't be right. I must be getting my dates wrong. Obama was president in 2008 yeah. through 2000. I mean, I was in high school when he started, but uh, so you would have been in middle school when he started, but not by the end, right? No, I was in college. I was out of college. You were in high school when? No, I mean by the end of the first term, you would have been in high school, and I would have been in college. Yeah, I was okay. a senior in high school. I'm not that old. I missed the election by like two days. Well, anyway. <laughs> So the, you know, during the Obama administration, and he's the president I was, I was completely in support of. So, you know, I, I had no problem with the media's representation of Obama, but uh, I was heavily against news because it's fake. And I gave a speech in public speaking class basically about the similar topic of the article and making the same kind of points. And uh, the response I got from the class afterwards was, because it's supposed to be a persuasive argument, was, um, you know, everything you say, like, you make good points, but I'm not going to stop watching the news. That was literally what everybody said. Not going to stop watching the news. And I was just like, well, all right, I guess we're all just deciding to be stupid then. So when, when... When the uh, the mainstream organizations made this uh, this anti Sinclair group video, the response that they show in the video to this being pointed out, because like John Oliver talked about it on his show, so that's also up on YouTube. And then this video, the most like viral one, the most famous one, even quotes the John Oliver uh, video. You know, it brings that up in its point because Trump had responded to this stuff by saying basically it's really hilarious and pathetic that all these news organizations are coming after the Sinclair group when they do the same thing and they show that tweet in the video and I was just like yeah great response like it doesn't matter that Trump himself is also doing fake news you guys are admitting that fake news is real you guys are spreading the fake news meme. You guys are trying to convince your own audience that the news is untrustworthy, that TV news is full of false ideas. And I know that you think that you're just saying, oh, well, the Sinclair group does this, not us. We're not implicated in this. John Oliver's not bought and paid for. What are you talking about? Uh... But then you can go and find these other videos that implicate all news organizations. But you can't find them on YouTube. You can't, you don't, that doesn't come up in the search, even though it has 300,000 views, a lot more than some of these mainstream organizations' videos have, even though that video was, is older and comes up earlier in a DuckDuckGo search than the other result. Um, so why? Was the video that I watched second so hidden? Why was it so hard to get to? Probably because it was from InfoWars. That's right. That video that presented in a completely nonpartisan way the idea that the news media is sending out messages to control you. That video that was just purely anti-mainstream media in general. It was presented in such a way to tell you don't trust any of these news outlets was created for InfoWars, the website that Alex Jones runs. And it has an Alex Jones quote towards the end of the video. And all I could think was, thank you, Alex Jones. Thank you for keeping the truth alive to some degree. Because I know for a fact 
that these mainstream media organizations, they're the ones who have deplatformed you. They're the ones who have taken you from YouTube. They're the ones who've taken away your ability to easily be monetized and made it so you can't break back into the popularity that you have had for a very long time. They want to drive you out because you'd be saying shit like this. You are you are a public enemy number one to the mainstream news organizations. And, uh, you know, the more pushback that they give you, the more suspicion I think they raise towards themselves. So, um, you know, it's just a it's it's a sad reality that even if you're trying to look for evidence of fake news, you have to parse through the fake news. So let me tell you something. Once upon a time, I was coming up on the middle of my 20s when I was going to not only be leaving my parents' house finally to go off on my own, to go live by myself, but also eventually I would be off of my parents' insurance, which is really the last sort of financial tie to them that I had at that point. Once I'm paying my own bills, once my phone is in my own name, once my uh, you know, because a lot of a lot of people are on family plans for a lot of these things. We we remain on our parents' phone bill, especially if their phone is paid for by work. If they have a family plan through work, we might never leave that phone plan. But you know, uh, these are the the sort of tethers that you still have in your life, um, privileges that you have that you are able to you know without any cost to yourself own a cell phone, um, at least until you've you know. Uh, graduated from your parents' control, essentially. You know, they don't want to be paying for your phone. They just can. And so if you can, you should do it yourself. So eventually, having reached the point where I can pay for all my own things, I re-examined which of these things were worth paying for. Because it might be worthwhile for me to have been on my parents' insurance, especially growing up as a kid. And I did get sick a lot. I used to get strep throat twice a year. Uh, you know, I've I've never been like, I don't know, I've never been unhealthy in particular, but I've never been healthy either. I've just been, uh, you know, middle of the road. I never went to the doctor a lot as a kid. That's for sure. Um, you know, I've never really gotten hurt very often. The last time I got hurt really badly was when I broke my foot doing karaoke at Otakon back in 2014, I think. So, you know, I was still on my parents' insurance at that time. And uh, that would have, you know, covered all my medical expenses. So if I were to get hurt again, I will have to pay for it myself. And it obviously makes sense to have insurance to help pay for that. But insurance is really expensive for what it is. And you have to think, okay, insurance, it's like I just got quoted for $100 a month, which doesn't sound that bad if you're thinking of it like a bill, right? It's just like paying your rent or paying your water. But the thing is that you actually you actually are definitely spending money on something in those cases. You're actually paying for the house. You're actually paying for the amount of electricity you've used, the amount of water that you have used. You're paying, you know, what you owe for these things. But with insurance, you're paying into a a promise that if something goes wrong, then they will help you to deal with it. And there's... Tons of terms and conditions that apply to that. There's tons of ways that they can, you know, basically they write all the rules about what uh, they can do to raise or lower the price of your insurance at their whim. And basically what they're going to try to do is to put you into the most difficult financial situation that they can so that you will remain perpetually in their debt. So that you will always be paying for insurance, you will always be paying medical bills, and they will give you plans and make allowances for you to pay it off at a slow enough rate that you can still live your life, but it will take away 
that one sliver of extra money that you had for yourself. And so you will just be a slave to them. You'll be working just for your job and for your debt and not for yourself. So granted, if you have a middle-class income in America, insurance is affordable. It is not so expensive on average that it's going to drive you into having no money for yourself if you're middle class. But the middle class is a shrinking demographic in America, and there are more and more lower class people for whom insurance is more and more of a drain. And this is why it's become very popular to argue for socialized medicine in the U.S. because of the fact that there are so many people being so drained by these insurance companies. And a lot of people view this as just a natural consequence of capitalism. They see it as, you know, because of the fact that capitalism in incentivizes these insurance companies and the medical, uh, the entire medical industry in itself, which is just as big of a racket in America, is, uh, you know, all of them are trying to make as much money as possible. And so... You know, that's what capitalism is built to do. It's what our systems are built to do. We we live in an, an, an anarcho-capitalist nightmare in the U.S., an oligarchical place ruled by billionaires. And that's probably true. But uh, it doesn't have to be true. And this is where the conversation around uh, capitalism and socialism online gets really bizarre to me because there's constantly postulated this idea that in a capitalist system, like necessarily every business has to have the incentive of constant growth. And I really don't see how that follows because um, what it is causing in the economy is negative. It's negative for a bulk of people. And even the people who it's positive for um, are deranged and they don't understand that they are actually making life worse for themselves. And I mean, there's been there's there's countless studies talking about, you know, essentially mo money, mo problems. And the only real way that people can justify to themselves spending the amount of time and effort that it takes to make more money is to have the feeling that they are. Uh, in some way, using that money to to both prop up themselves and affect the greater good as best their understanding of how they can do so, which is to say whatever they think is the the way forward for humanity, they're going to bank on that, you know? And I look at uh, a company like Amazon, and I really think that what they're trying to do is to, like, reshape the way that, like, you know, customers can be served. But, like... Does it have a positive impact on humanity to do things the way that Amazon is doing them? Um, you know, it's possible that there are certain long-term benefits that haven't been realized yet. I don't know. But, like, I really don't think that it's the right way to do things is the the way that government uh, – well, the way that corporations are being run in America and how they affect the government. So, like – there are certain things that make sense to regulate. There are certain things that make sense to put limitations on. And the government, what it's supposed to be, is purely representation of the will of the people. So really, your government system should not be in any way beholden to what capitalism suggests is necessary or what socialism suggests is necessary. It should not be, hold, be beholden to any of these categories. It should only be beholden to the will of the people. What system do we want? Not what ideological extreme do we want. Like, what do we think will make the most sense for the people in our country, the people who are under the purview of this government. And, you know, there's we have to consider the state of things in other places in the world because they all feed into each other. But if what we're doing is bad for our country, then it cannot be the right way forward. Because if we are if what we're doing is more beneficial to other countries than it is to ours, then ultimately we might as well just subsume into them. Like, why even pretend that we are our own country if we're just going to follow 
another country's rules. The only reason that we have these autonomies is that we believe in the idea that the system that we operate in is the best one. And now granted, there's plenty of people in America who hate America, who hate the systems that we have in place. And, uh, you know, maybe they just can't afford to leave. They can't uh, figure out where else to go. They don't know how to learn another language. It's too difficult, you know? Um, But we should be morphing America into the thing we want it to be. It's if you, if you hate America, do something about it, you know, because it's built on our values. It's meant to reflect our values. And most of us do not give a fuck about the more immediate consequences of the, the smaller side of politics. You know, hardly anyone even fucking votes in the non-presidential elections. Everything gets laid at the feet of the president, even though the president's power is completely dependent on all these other people. It's you know, it's a system of checks and balances, but everybody's in the same two teams. So what the fuck are you, you know, how can you go against the, uh, the popular consensus if everybody who's in the government was picked by these teams, you know? So it's not that there's no outsiders in the government, but... Uh, you know, they, they almost always are going to, at some point, get talked into wearing either a red or a blue shirt, you know? They're going to be summarized in those terms based on the decisions that they make, what bills they, they vote on, and, and, you know, which majority happens to have agreed with them on a, a higher number of bills, I guess. Well, I've completely fucking lost track of what I was talking about, so I'm going to try to get back on to the original subject of insurance. And basically how uh, I have not been paying for insurance because the way I see it, uh, I, I, I have enough money saved up. I just try to make enough money to have enough money saved up to deal with problems as they arise. And if I were to go into some degree of debt, you know, I have the ability to make a lot of money so I can I can pay myself out like I can do jobs I have employment you know um, if that were to disappear maybe I'd have to rethink things and, but like for now I don't feel as though I am in danger of getting hurt of having something bad happen because I'm young I'm healthy I don't leave the house very often I, you know, I may not live a healthy lifestyle necessarily, but I'm not out taking major health risks. I'm not that overweight. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a pretty fine circumstance. Every time I've ever been to the doctor, they've told me that I was just normal in all ways. I maybe occasionally get sick, um, but not never anything serious. Haven't needed to go to the hospital since breaking my foot. Um, and, uh, I've been much more careful since then. Now, granted, I have had like, uh, minor bone fractures that I just didn't even bother going to the doctor for because I knew they couldn't do anything about them. And, uh, I need to intake more vitamin D for sure. But, uh, you know, those things healed up and, uh, everything's fine. So like, you know, for now I feel confident that, you know, worst case scenario, something really bad does happen and I have the money to pay for it. Um, or if I don't, because it's really fucking insane, like I get my whole body mangled while, I mean, my life's fucking ruined anyway, you know? So like the, the cost monetarily is immaterial to the, the severity of what my life is going to be from now on, you know? But, uh, whatever the case may be, um, I will probably get insurance once, May gets pregnant. Although, from the tone of what she has said to me, it might just be as soon as she turns 26, she's going to make me get us a family plan because she does not want to be uninsured for the later half of her 20s, which uh, is understandable. I mean, I think uh, women have more reasons to need to go to the doctor than men do anyways. So, they, you know, there's, there's more reasons to need health insurance. I mean, I had to go to the hospital last year it's true um was that paid for by health insurance or by a lot of it was none of it was through health mass health was, no i don't have mass health oh uh, because we, we just have to apply for mass health and i would not uh, well. fit the criteria because i was not a resident well there you go so uh just in case 
we have to visit the hospital again. Uh, I'll I'll be I guess I'll be buying insurance a year from now. However, um, also I you know I have a nut allergy and you can't buy an EpiPen without insurance. Right. They're really expensive. So why is this whole racket possible in the U.S.? Like why is it that we are willing to pay twelve hundred dollars a year? for insurance just in case something happens when there's a possibility that nothing will ever happen. And I do think that when we think about it in the long term, like I think most people convince themselves that in the event they one day do get cancer and let's say that there are like $50,000 in medical debt that they avoid by having uh, insurance and like it still cost them a fuckload of money, but nowhere close to the world-ending amount it would have been if they had not had it. And they think, well, this ultimately pays back all the years of insurance that I've been paying. You know, because I've probably paid fifty thousand dollars in insurance over the years, but like you know, this means that I don't have to be fronted with that bill now in my in my fifties. You know, maybe that's what people are thinking. I'm not sure. But to me, it's like unless there was a a serious reason to think that I was going to, you know, to spend at least the amount that I'm putting into my insurance on doctor visits, then why would I spend so much goddamn money on insurance, you know? Um, But uh, of course, we we all are constantly reminded by commercials that like anything can happen. Uh, auto accidents, constant, you know? I mean, you have to have car insurance to even drive in the U.S. You cannot be on the road with no car insurance. And car insurance itself is like $100 a month. Uh, <clears throat> and I I find that honestly understandable just because of the fact that, yeah, uh, auto accidents are 100%. They're like 400% likely to happen to you or something like that. Like you will get into an accident every 15 years, statistically speaking. So, you know, uh, in that case, I feel like maybe this will ultimately pay itself off. But I don't know. I haven't nearly had that many problems. And I had bought uh, extended warranties on my car that they didn't even honor. That uh, I forgot about actually getting my money back. So I probably should take care of that at some point. I think I have like a a couple grand tied up in um, forgetting that I had to hassle the insurance company to get my fucking money. So, um, Jesus fucking Christ. Remembering that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Let me tell you about some hilarious shit that just happened, all right? So lately, because of the fact that on my Twitter or on my YouTube, I've just been uh, more open with my opinions, I guess. I've been more willing to state how I feel about things, even if I think it'll be controversial, because I'm too old to give a shit. And I will, sometimes I just want to entertain myself by arguing with people all fucking day. It's legitimately fun a lot of the time. But the weird thing is that people have increasingly been uh, stating that, like, my political compass is shifting. People are like, oh, Digi's becoming more, you know, it depends on what they already think I am, which direction they think I'm going in. But because a lot of my following is very left-leaning, if not just hardcore extreme leftists, there's been a lot of sentiment that I have been going more to the right, that I've been becoming more conservative somehow. Now, why this is happening is usually speculated to have something to do with Dick Masterson because I'm a huge fan of him. I collaborate with him, listen to his show all the time. He has tons of uh, conservative voices on his show. And so people are like, oh, Dick Masterson's poisoning your mind, <clears throat> which is fucking hilarious and retarded because, first of all, Dick Masterson's not a conservative. Not by any conventional definition. If you actually know about his politics, I don't think you'd come to the conclusion that he was uh, very far to the right. I think you'd conclude, in fact, that he's significantly farther to the left than most American politicians, including Democratic candidates. In fact, I'm way farther to the left than almost anybody running for president right now, as it turns out. I found this out 
because I'm sure you're all familiar with the political compass quiz. Now, I don't take that quiz very seriously. I think it's pretty retarded. It has questions like, how do you feel about astrology? And it's like, what does that have to do with my fucking political leaning? I have no idea. But it asks you all these fucking ridiculous questions, and then it puts you somewhere on a grid. And most of us have taken this test. Most of us have looked at it as just like a quick catch-all, like, general idea of where you fall in the grand scheme of things. One time, my entire Patreon Discord, like, a whole ton of people, like, probably 20 people or so, took this test, and we we plotted out a graph of everybody on it. And And guess who was the most to the right? (laughs) Who is that? Oh, it may have been Pantsu Party, this girl. Pantsu Party may have been the most to the right, by which we mean exactly one block right of center and about four or five blocks down the libertarian side, maybe more. Uh, Meanwhile, I was one block to the left of center and all the way down the libertarian side near the bottom. I think I was the most libertarian out of everybody who voted, Uh, but... The spread was almost entirely throughout the left libertarian quadrant. The bottom left quadrant of the chart was the vast majority of my fans. Um, There were a couple of people who were more authoritarian, maybe one who was closer to the right. Um, But, you know, for the most part, uh, it was very left libertarian, Um, which is not surprising because that's what I would think my audience would be since I am myself left and libertarian. I'm in that quadrant. Uh, But... The funny thing about that site is there's also a page you can go to that shows you where all of the current candidates for presidency fall on this chart. And it's really funny because people who like uh, all these leftists uh, hardcore back like Bernie Sanders is like only about as left as I am and is the most left. Him and Tulsi Gabbard, oddly enough, who people seem to associate with being like more conservative or something, they're the two most left candidates according to this chart. And both of them are uh, one notch into the libertarian category, which almost nobody else is either. There was like one candidate who was more libertarian. And uh, I fall uh, way more libertarian than anyone. Uh, in fact, all, all of the other candidates were, qu- were in the quadrant of authoritarian right. So the American government, by, by the eyes of the world, is just a right-wing authoritarian country, basically. Like, you're either all the way to the right or you're somewhat to the right, basically, in American politics. Um, And yet we have tons and tons of people in this country who fall into the libertarian. In fact, I would think the average American would would fall more into the libertarian category. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong about that. Maybe people are just completely fucked and they actually want the government to control them. I don't understand fucking lemmings, all right? Like, you people – Go ahead and jump off the cliff. I'll just sit back and sip my tea. But, uh, you know, the I, I think a lot of people in America would test as libertarian left. And it's really funny to think that, like, um, you know, even our most leftist, most libertarian candidates are not even close to what, uh, you know, what I would think, like, what anybody I would associate with would be, you know, would be labeled as, like... I can't even imagine, like, hanging out with somebody who would qualify – I mean, I can't imagine hanging out with any politician. But, you know, like, just the, the thought of, like, an authoritarian right person is, like, like a worst nightmare scenario. And yet it's it's like, you know, it's like all of our politicians. It's very bizarre. And the funniest thing about taking this test was that uh, the reason that May wanted to take it again is because she was wondering – Will I test differently than usual? You know, she was one block right of center. Now, um, we've been listening to not just the dick show, but May listens to the Ralph retort every fucking day, which conceivably could be considered a conservative talk show, even though Ethan Ralph is obviously a fucking liberal. uh, But somehow that just goes, oh, well, you know, he says he says swear words and he he talks to racists. So he must not be a liberal. People like people's ideas of what these things are. It's like 
you you see somebody who's like all of their beliefs are liberal except for this one thing that you really have all of your optics on and so if they are not liberal in that way then they're oh they're all right and it's like what the fuck are you talking about so of course we take the political test and may why don't you tell us how your score changed i'm in the middle I'm, you know, I'm also down. I'm in the libertarian spectrum, but not as far as I used to be. But I'm on the line. So you became... I am the most conservative person that I know in my age group. The most conservative person that you know in your age group became more of a liberal after months of listening to the Ralph Retort nonstop. And reading Drudge. And reading the Drudge Report, going on 4chan, fighting with Ben. But you became more of a leftist and left of a li- libertarian. And meanwhile, I became—I actually became less of a libertarian. Um, and the main reason for that is that I was more pro-regulation on business. Because uh, historically, I was much more of a everybody should be able to do anything the fuck they want, no matter what, fuck you. Um, but now that I know more about how businesses work and the the loopholes that they are able to go through and just the sheer damage they do to society. Like, a government's uh, purpose is to rein things in to some degree. Like, having a government at all is already authoritarian. So, like, if we're going to have this authoritarian presence, the, you know, the main thing they need to do is protect the people, as many people as possible. And I definitely think that a lot of the billionaires, a lot of the super rich people, not the 1%, but the 0.008%, the billionaires, uh, I think a lot of those people are fucking over a lot of regular Americans. And I don't even think all of them are doing it in an evil way necessarily. I mean, there's a lot of arguments to be made even for stuff like, you know, you could say like, oh, uh, Nike has people working in sweatshops for slave wages, uh, which is true, but at the same time, that's some of the best jobs that people in some of the countries who are working those jobs can get. So it's actually better for some of the people in those countries. It's worse for America because we're not getting those jobs. They're being shipped overseas and, you know, they're those people are not being paid as much as what we would consider to be a uh, a living wage, you know, which they would consider to be something different. So, like, me being more interested in regulating businesses made me less libertarian in my score, even if I stayed on the same place on the left, because I still feel the same way about everything else that people do. You should be able to do whatever the fuck you want with, your, with yourself, you know? So, where did I learn these things about businesses. How did I become less of a libertarian? Let me tell you. From Dick fucking Masterson! The guy who talks about how businesses should be regulated, who makes fun of libertarians, who makes fun of conservative people, the guy who couldn't be more obviously a liberal, libertarian, you know, like about probably somewhere around the same place I am. He might be a couple rungs to the right. I don't know. I doubt that our political compass is that different. And he made me less of a radical libertarian, less of an ANCAP, less. So it's just so funny to me to think that Dick Masterson and the Ralph Retort, these two shows that people I talk to online legit think are alt-right podcasts, People tell me that these are racist, that they are extremely right-wing, that that they are on the alt-right pipeline, that they will make you, that listening to these shows will make you more right-wing. The way they behave online is more of what is turning people to these extremist views. Oh, yeah. The fact that I went to college and was surrounded by people who disagreed with me and judged me for my beliefs, like, definitely made me more passionate at least because you were getting you would get shit on for no reason by professors just who who thought that you didn't have a liberal enough view oh yeah definitely so it's like that did happen i mean i said it myself that on twitter that you know people people's attitude towards me is what brings people to the right 
It's people seeing that someone like me who is a liberal is getting shit on by other liberals for having, like, reasonable opinions, and they go, oh, that's what a liberal is? I don't want any part of that, you know? But these podcasts, these are liberal fucking podcasts. They made me more liberal and less libertarian. They made you more liberal. I mean, I don't know if these are the result, you know, it's not the direct result of these podcasts, but this is where most of my political information comes from. So it's just like, it's so fucking funny to me to have people telling me that I'm like a a fucking crazy uh, anarcho-capitalist right-winger now because I fucking uh, think people should be able to say Uh, whatever they want on the internet. That's my only fucking policy is that people should be able to say whatever they want. And now I get associated with being on the alt-right pipeline because I associate with shows that have literally made me less right-wing, made my my fiancé who herself has identified as somebody who considers herself to be comparably conservative to be less conservative. But But you're you're not even on the right, according to the political compass. All the every single Democratic candidate except for Bernie and Tulsi were farther right. I was surprised how fucking far right Yang was considered. He was like five blocks to the right of center and just slightly authoritarian. Scoring the politicians, it's within the realm of their power, with their reach. Obviously. They're not going to have the power to change the world's economy. This is more of, like, your ideal. That was a funny thing, though, because one of the reasons that so many of them were considered um, on the right is because most of them were actually less interested in regulating businesses than even I was. Because a lot of them are in the pockets of those fucking businesses. So, you know, these these politicians who talk about how they, you know, who pretend to be leftists, they're so in the pocket of corporations that they don't even back the policies that would limit them in the ways that, you know, people even slightly left of center or even slightly um, authoritative would, would want them to do, you know? And meanwhile, they're all authoritative about totally different shit. And this is why the political compass is so fucking... And heinous and shitty and why I think the idea of a centrist is such a terrible meme that you all need to fucking stop. I know I talked about it on the show before. I've already been over this but the the idea that you are a centrist because you think that women should have should be able to have abortions and also you think that uh, people should be able to buy guns. Like, those two things have nothing the fuck to do with each other so the idea that this makes you a centrist is laughable. These are totally unrelated ideas. Again, reminder, the the political compass, which asks you how you feel about astrology while determining your political alignment, which asks you how you feel about postmodernism because, oh yeah, only right-wingers hate postmodernism. That's totally not a thing that tons of fucking people on the left all over YouTube hate. No, it's totally right-wing to be anti-postmodern, which, by the way, I'm extremely postmodern myself, extremely pro-postmodern. Like, does that really have to do with my political alignment? I really don't fucking think so. It has to do with being like a, a – there are some answers on this quiz that, like, if you answer strongly disagree or whatever, you're just retarded. Like, you just don't know facts. There are things on this quiz, like, there's one that's like, uh, do you think that um, corporations are – uh, unfairly using, um, oh god, what the fuck was the, the phrase that you used? It was, it was like plants, um, basically do you think that we're taking valuable plants from other countries and, and having monopolies on them? Y- yes! The answer is yes! Monsanto's doing that, we all know it, it's highly publicized, everybody knows that Big Corpo is fucking stealing all the plants and running unhealthy monopolies and fucking over everybody, uh, giving us autism. So, I'm not gonna go on a whole Alex Jones thing here, uh, <laughs> anyway, that's all for that piece. Yeah, that's just kind of the thing that I'm always subconsciously thinking about in the back of my mind, like the black space. Any any second, something could happen. Fucking aliens, the pool is shifting, giant caldera, yeah. aneurysm, fucking choking on <laughs> Big Anything. Mac, I've seen choking on dick. Dude, I'm, I can't eat. I'm too autistic to life. <laughs> so what we're talking about here... Is I don't even I didn't even check my audio. I just fucking went for it. 
what we're talking about is that I have a, a personality disorder that is shared by idiots and geniuses. And they can be both. It's really just a, a matter of how many times you roll good odds. Because uh, I'm somebody who thinks I can constantly beat statistics. This is what it takes, I think, to innovate is to gamble on something that is not statistically backed, but which you are confident will work. That's the gamble that is innovation. And yet, because it's always a gamble, then unless you have pretty good odds, and who, how do you even calculate these odds in most situations? I mean, if, like a, if my, I'm trying to calculate the odds of a creative work being a hit, I mean, there are so many factors. There's so many sure things that haven't worked. There's so many things that people thought that they were completely making the right gamble and it blew up in their face. I mean, it happens constantly. Every time a, a movie flops even is somebody taking a gamble that didn't work out. So, you know, plenty of this gambling goes wrong. And plenty of these people, they get too confident. They've made some good gambles and now they think that they're always going to be right about whatever they try to do. They just think that they're ahead of the story, that they're somebody who figures shit out, that they got the world in the palm of their hands. And you're always rolling because you want to see how far you can go. You want to see if you can take it to the next level, you know? And you see the big gamblers, I think of Trump as somebody like this, somebody who was just constantly trying to roll the dice on getting to be the next big thing he wanted to be until he got to be president, you know? And he, obviously, the odds were not on his side by anybody's calculation except for his, and he clearly knew what he was talking about in this case. So, you know, he made a strong, long-shot bet and pulled off in a big way for himself. But, you know, people like him, people like, you know, most of these innovative people in society, they're constantly taking risks. And the reason that they are like that, at least the reason I'm like that, but I think that this lies somewhere in the depths of the thinking of all these people, is that we very much comprehend death. It's ever-presence. It's assuredness. The idea that we are definitely going to die and that it could happen for any fucking reason. And the probability may be low for your whole life, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. Now, you what have to... What are you to talking about? The probability you're going to die is 100% certain. It's, in fact, the only That's, certainty. I meant that, that you're going to die of any specific thing. Like, the, the probability of me dying of lightning is extremely low. Yeah. At all times, to the extent that I'm not going to take, like, extra lightning precautions every single time I go outside. I mean, I'm not going to run around in a thunderstorm. It's just not a good idea. It's, uh, it's like betting, you know? It's a strong bet for something that's not fun to do anyway. I bet you anything, though, that if there were more reasons we needed to go outside during the rain, way more people would take the risk because there's so little odds of actually getting struck by lightning. It's an extremely low-risk uh, encounter, but it's so, such a traumatizing, visible, and uh, scary idea that it has more of a psychological effect on people. Um, and again, we don't generally want to go outside and do things, even our jobs, during like a torrential downpour. It's just not effective. So, you know, we don't have to worry about that, but people will take uh, far riskier risks with their life every day. I mean, just going out and driving, you're taking a huge risk every day, way more likely to die than you are running around a thunderstorm, but you're going to drive every single day because you need to get to work. You need to go do things. It's just better than being at home. And there are some people who, uh, you know, maybe are so afraid of that statistic of how incredibly likely they are to die in a car. They just never fucking drive. You got to move to a densely populated city or a small town, I guess, where you, you can get around by foot, you know, where uh, either the culture is slow enough that you don't need to be driving everywhere you go or where the culture is fast enough that, uh, you know, everything thing you need is right next to you and you don't go you barely ever venture far from your house in either case uh but if you have a car you can go anywhere but you will probably die so 
you know, if you're thinking about that all the time, if you're always considering this idea, the world you live in is terrifying, you're always paranoid, you get the fear and loathing that Hunter S. Thompson was always talking about, it will lead you to think, okay, well, I'm going to die one way or another. Do I want to die after living a boring life or do I want to die after living an exciting life? Do I want to die not having getting the things I wanted to accomplish done or do I want to die having accomplished the things that I want to do? Because sure, maybe I'll live to 80. That's the life expectancy. The odds are better for that to be the case, but... There's also, like, a strong possibility that I won't live that long. I'm rolling the dice every single second I'm alive, and there's a chance that, you know, five years from now, I'll suddenly get hit by a car, and I will not have accomplished everything I wanted to do unless I can get it all done in the next five years. So you always have to be in the mentality that whatever you want to get done, it's not about getting it done eventually. It's about getting it done in the next five years. Because you're hoping you're not going to die in that amount of time. You're pretty, the odds are pretty low. They're very low. Hard to be paranoid about it. But if you're expecting that you're going to have 20 years to do what you want to do, you better be taking good care of your body, I guess. You better, you know, you're still rolling the dice. You're always going to be rolling the dice, no matter what. So, uh, you know, boring people who have nothing going on in their lives, who just live... Uh, you know, hand to mouth and uh, throw away their lives gambling. That's because they don't take any risks in their real lives. They only get this thrill and excitement through gambling, which is built to siphon money from you. It's built for you to lose. So to participate in a game like that, you're, 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 you know, this is not the way that a real gambler would think. A smart gambler, somebody who's good at gambling, would not gamble, you know, would not do that because there's a thousand better ways to make money and advance through the world, taking, uh, you know, risks that you have to really know a lot to even understand the presence of. Anyway, that's it for this episode of The Whirling Dervish because uh, I finally got another segment for it. Do you have any parting words, Pantsu? Y'all gonna die. The poles are shifting, right? The poles are shifting. It's been confirmed by science. At, at a rapid rate, the North Pole, is, the magnetic North Pole is moving towards Siberia at a rapid rate. What does it mean? Nobody knows. All right, that's it for this one. <laughs>